0: Good morning. The reading from today is from Mark chapter 2, verse 13, to Mark chapter 3, verse 6. It's on page 708 of the Bible without the image on the front, and 1004 of the Bible with the image on the front. So Mark chapter 2, verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with the tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, he pours new wine into new wineskins. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priest to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. And then he said to them, The Sabbath was the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Another time he went into the synagogue, and a man with a shrivelled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal them on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shrivelled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them,
1: Thank you Kate and uh, good morning everybody, Um, big welcome to church today, a special welcome to you if you're joining us on the live stream on YouTube or Facebook, great to have you with us today and uh, why don't you drop us a comment on the comment section just to uh, let us know that you're with us and we can uh, send you a greeting back but it's lovely to have you with us and uh, we trust that uh, it'll be a really helpful and and, uh, encouraging and challenging time uh, for us all today. Uh, before we come to think about this passage from Scripture, let's uh, join in prayer, shall we? <clears throat> Father, we want to thank you for this uh, passage, uh, this remarkable um, uh, section of your Word that uh, teaches us about Jesus and uh, the right um, uh, what He's come to do and the right response to Him. Father, we pray that by your Spirit that you would be giving us insight and understanding that we would uh, indeed be those. Uh, Who live with Jesus as our Lord. And we pray these things in His name. Amen. Uh, One of the unique uh, things about the Christian church is the membership requirement. Because the only people who can belong are those who don't deserve to belong. That's unique, don't you think? I mean, other groups in society, if you, if you want to belong, you have to uh, fulfil certain requirements. You have to meet particular standards. You have to... But in God's church, the only people who can belong are those who don't deserve to belong. It's strange, isn't it? It's, it's not the way that society normally works. It's not the way that people normally think. And uh, ironically, especially, it's not the way people normally think about God and being part of his church. Uh, because for many people, uh, surely to be accepted by God, uh, you have to meet a, a particular standard. Uh, in order to be accepted by God, you, you'd have to do something. You'd have to be a particular kind of person. You'd, you'd have to make yourself into an acceptable person perhaps by being religious enough, uh, by going to church um, or by being good enough, by be- being someone who obeys the Ten Commandments or at least tries to so that in the end you, you meet the entry requirement. In the end you, you deserve membership. Now, of course, the Ten Commandments are, are really only a fraction of uh, all of the hundreds of laws that are in the Old Testament And at the time of Jesus, the religious leaders were were very careful. They were scrupulously careful to obey every single one of them so that uh, if anyone uh, could be thought of being deserving of being admitted into membership of God's people, surely it was them, or so they thought. But there was one group of people who no one thought deserved to belong to God's people. And that group of people, a particular occupation, was tax collectors. Now, if you were to meet someone today who worked for the Australian Tax Office, uh, they they probably won't tell you that today is Reformation Sunday, but they might tell you that today's the last day to get your tax form in. <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> October the 31st is the deadline. And you might tell them or you might complain to them about having to pay too much tax and being robbed by the government. But in Jesus' day, people really were robbed by the tax man. Uh, In uh, Mark 2 verse 13, our passage today, if you'd care to have that open, uh, Jesus is by the sea of Galilee, is by the water, by the lake, uh, near the city of uh, Capernaum, when he meets a man by the name of Levi, who we're told was, quote, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Now, that tells us something about Levi, doesn't it? It tells us a lot about him. It tells us that uh, he was one of the least deserving and most hated men around. Um, Israel was, of course, occupied by by the Romans and uh, the, uh, the Jews had to pay taxes to the Romans. The question was, well, who would collect the taxes? And the answer is, well, any local who was greedy enough to betray his own people and work for the enemy. And the Romans made it worth their while. Um, tax collectors, uh, they had to collect a certain amount of money, a set amount of money for Rome... And, but after that, after they'd collected that amount of money, with the backing of Roman soldiers, they could collect whatever they wanted and put it into their own pockets. Greedy traitors. If anyone was undeserving of God, it was them. And so imagine Levi's surprise when in verse 14 uh, Jesus uh, stops at his tax collector's booth and instead of condemning him, he actually invites him. He says to him, "Come, follow me." Now I reckon uh, Levi might have been looking around and uh, he might have said, uh, "Sorry Jesus, who are you talking to? <laughs> You're talking to me? Really? Seriously? You actually want me to follow you. Wow. You know, last week we saw how Jesus physically touched a man who was a leper. Remember that? Friends, Levi was a social leper, who as Jesus' extended friendship felt so touched that in verse 15 he threw a dinner party for Jesus with all of his friends, with all of Levi's friends. And so who else would have been on the guest list? Well... Uh, The only people who would have been on the guest list for this uh, dinner party at Levi's house would have been people who would uh, actually hang around with someone like Levi. So fellow tax collectors, they're on the list. And other other so-called sinners we're told. Well who were they? Well they're the kind of people that the Pharisees were very unlikely to ever invite around to their place uh, for a meal. Of course the Pharisees themselves would never eat with such rabble. And they'd never accept this invitation, an invitation to eat at Levi's house, especially since the chance of the food laws being obeyed were practically next to nothing. But yet, here is Jesus at Levi's home enjoying a meal with what the Pharisees would have considered to be the human garbage of Israel. And so the, the Pharisees corner Jesus' disciples with a question. Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And that's, that's a question which deserves an answer from Jesus himself. And so uh, let's have a look at verse 17. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, uh, Jesus didn't think for one moment that the, uh, that the religious leaders, the Pharisees, were, um, were righteous. Uh, Jesus didn't actually think that. The problem was that they thought that. They thought that of themselves. As far as they were concerned, they were good enough for God and they deserved to belong to his people. Whereas the, the tax collectors and the sinners... <laughs> Well, at least at least Levi knew that he needed to have a friend in Jesus. He knew that, didn't he? Now, the opposite to enjoying yourself at a banquet at a, at a dinner party is to is to what is to deprive yourself of food altogether, which is what some people around that time were doing. Um, check out verse 18. Now, John's disciples. Says, tells, uh, says Mark, and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Now, um, in Bible times, to fast is to not eat food. And, and in Bible times, uh, people fasted um, uh, typically when they were grieving, over something, when they're perhaps mourning over sin, uh, or when they wanted to pray for something um, in particular, something special, a particular need that they needed to bring before God in prayer. And so uh, Mm -hmm. one view is that going without meals, um, particularly in an agrarian society like that where actually food preparation and so on was quite a a, a big thing, that going without meals would, would free up more time for prayer. And so in the Bible, in the descriptions in the Bible, fasting and praying go together, hand in hand. But do you know how many days in the year that the, 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 the biblical law required um, people to, to fast? How many days in the year were they required to fast? One day in the year only one day in the year, and that was on the Day of Atonement. And yet over the centuries, uh, it became a tradition uh, to fast on other days as well. Um, the Pharisees would fast on Mondays and Thursdays. Their choice, but not God's law. And so here Mark tells us that the Pharisees and their, the disciples of the Pharisees, those who followed them, were fasting, as were also the disciples of John the Baptist, um, who had uh, only recently at that time been executed. So the disciples of the Pharisees were fasting, the disciples of John the Baptist were fasting. Who's not fasting? The disciples of Jesus. And so the question is asked, and uh, uh, one of the other gospel accounts tells us it's asked by The disciples of John the Baptist, the other the question is asked, why? Why are the disciples of Jesus not fasting? And it's a good question to which Jesus says two things. Number one, because it's not appropriate for his disciples to be fasting. Um, Check out verse 19. Jesus answered. How can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and on that day they will fast. So what's he saying here? Well, um, put it this way. Have you ever been to a wedding reception where there was no food, just speeches? (laughs) Do you think so? No, I'd want my money back, wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, you know, because a wedding is a celebration, and people spend thousands of dollars on the often too much money on the food for the uh, for the wedding for the, uh, for the for the for the, for the uh, wedding reception, but it's a celebration. And so, what is Jesus saying about himself? Well, he's saying that. He is the bridegroom and his presence is a reason to celebrate and to feast, not a reason to mourn and to fast. There will come a time when he will be gone, when he will leave them, when there will be a time for them to mourn and to fast. And that is a time in the future a time which points to his death on the cross. But for now, it's the time to feast. Now, Secondly, in verses 21 and 22, Jesus um, goes a bit deeper in his reasoning. Um, And he does so with some puzzling comments about about sowing and wine. Uh, Verse 21. He says, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Uh, If he does, the new piece will pull away, making the tear worse. Now, I have learnt the hard way that um, some fabrics shrink when they are washed. You should see my favourite jumper, which can now only fit a child. (laughs) And so what Jesus saying here is if you're going to patch up a hole in your clothes, wash the patch fabric first. Shrink it first before you sew it on so that it doesn't shrink after you've sewn it on because if it shrinks after you've sewn it on, then it's going to tear away from the clothes. Now, what's he saying? Well, let's see how he continues. He continues in verse 22 by saying, And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, he pours new wine into new wineskins. Now, in Jesus' day, people often drunk wine and one of the reasons for that was because the water quality wasn't all that great. And to carry wine... Uh, they used animal skins, uh, which they um, obviously cleaned and so on, and, uh, and they sewed it into, um, into like bags, uh, into, into, into wine bags, uh, wine bags which apparently could hold up to 200 litres of wine. But over time, an animal skin wine bag would become a, a bit dry and, and brittle, and so that if you poured new wine into an old wineskin, as the new wine fermented and expanded, uh, the wineskin wouldn't because it would be too brittle and so therefore it would burst and you'd have, you'd have a mess, wouldn't you? You'd have wine everywhere. And this is what happens. If you take the gospel of Jesus which is all about forgiveness and hearts that are changed in this new age of the, of the spirit and you try patching it onto or pouring it into the old covenant or the kind of religion which is, which is about meeting the, the membership standard. I remember a friend of mine who used to think that way he was a guy who'd been taught all of his life that you just have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps to get right with God, to be good enough for God, do the right thing, go to church, take communion, and try to obey the Ten Commandments and all of that. And it was a it was a burden to him. So he wasn't never sure whether he'd make it. We spent some time doing some Bible studies together, and as he came to understand. Jesus and his work on the cross and the forgiveness that comes through Jesus. It was like his life had been like that old wineskin and now filled with the truth of the gospel, he, 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 he just couldn't contain his joy as joy was flowing out from this man's life. The religion of the Pharisees could simply not contain Jesus and so their solution was to get rid of him which starts to happen from verse 23 onwards uh, the catalyst being the issue of the Sabbath now um, let's look at that for a moment the word Sabbath what does it mean well uh, it, it, it means two things really uh, the word Sabbath means uh, means rest, and it also means seventh. And there's a good reason for that, because the two, the two are actually connected. Because in the Old Testament law, uh, you would work six days, and on the seventh day, you would rest. And the reasons for the Sabbath are, are several. Um, one reason for the Sabbath, for resting every seventh day, Uh, is because that's the way we've been made by God. Uh, We need to enjoy rest. The person who is all work and no rest is the person who is heading for disaster. And secondly, uh, it expresses our trust in God because the person who is all work and no rest is the person who doesn't trust in God to provide. And so God gave us the Sabbath Um, for our well-being, for our good, and to help us to express our trust in him. But the Pharisees turned it into a burden. Um, We see this in verse 23, uh, Jesus and his disciples are are walking through a grain field one day and uh, it's the Sabbath and they're hungry so what do they do well they they pluck some heads of grain off the uh, ground to eat and some Pharisees saw it and they pounced there you go they said working on the sabbath just like farmers harvesting their crop Although I kind of wonder what were the Pharisees doing out there on the grain field, on the Sabbath, they would have been at least walking, which anyway. So and so Jesus reminds them about a time when King David and his men were fleeing for their lives, um, fleeing from uh, from uh, the crazy King Saul who wanted him dead. And they turned up at the house of God and they were hungry. They needed food and the only food that the priest had was food which had actually been consecrated to God and to God's service. And the priest gave them that bread to eat because the priest knew that God would want that the right thing to do, the godly thing to do, is to not see people going hungry (laughs) Jesus reminds them of this, because the Pharisees, they would much rather have seen Jesus and his disciples going hungry than for them to pluck some grain on the Sabbath, as if that was work. Now, it's the same thing in chapter 3, verses 1 through to 6. Again, it's the Sabbath, and this time they're in a synagogue, where there is a man with a shriveled hand. Uh, we don't know the details of that and why what shriveled hand means. Perhaps he, perhaps he had arthritis in his hands. Perhaps he had a skin disease. But the point is this. Check out verse 2. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. And so they watched him closely just to see if he would heal someone on the Sabbath. I mean, did they actually care about this man? Uh, would they have rejoiced that this man uh, got healed from his affliction? No. No, they just, they were hoping that Jesus would heal him because they wanted to pounce because it was the Sabbath. Something interesting I read about the Sabbath was that, um, do you know NASA used to have the, uh, the, the space shuttle program? Um, Remember that? Well, one of the um, unexpected issues that they had to deal with uh, with um, uh, one of the space shuttle uh, trips was the issue of how a Jewish astronaut uh, should observe the Sabbath whilst orbiting the Earth. Now... There's a whole lot of things <laughs> that, that issues that that raises. Uh, one of the, which is this: that every time the space shuttle orbited the Earth, well, that should be defined as being one day, <laughs> because they saw the sun rise and the sun set. And but they did that every ninety minutes. <laughs> True. And so some of the rabbis said, well, the the astronaut should take a 90-minute Sabbath day after every six orbits, every nine hours. Um, And the rabbis were thrilled to be consulted by NASA on this, by the way. But one of the rabbis um, counselled that no, to do that, to take a 90-minute break after every six orbits... might actually endanger the lives of the other crew members. And saving lives is more important. I guess the Pharisees would not have agreed to that. (laughs) Um, Have a look at verse 4. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. And he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said to this man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. And so then the Pharisees... um, together with the Herodians, a group of people that supported King Herod, they went out and they began to plot how they might kill Jesus. What's better to do on the Sabbath, to save a life or to kill? Well, they obviously thought to, to kill. Because they were old wineskins. And Jesus is new wine. The Sabbath helps us to rest from our work, but it it points to something bigger than that. You see, Levi, the tax collector, well, Levi was his Jewish name. He also had a Greek name. His Greek name was Matthew. He was called Matthew. Yes, the greedy, traitorous, agent of the Romans, did follow Jesus. More than just inviting Jesus to his dinner party, he followed Jesus, he became a disciple of Jesus, he became an apostle of Jesus, and he wrote an entire gospel all about Jesus. And when he recorded these same events in the Gospel of Matthew he quoted Jesus saying this he said that Jesus said and I quote come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest Levi understood that didn't he and it's the rest which we which we all need you and I need Not just rest from our work, but rest for our souls. Because when you think about it, um, none of us meet the entry, if there is an entry requirement, um, none of us meet it. No matter, there's not one person here who deserves uh, to belong to God's people. No matter how good we are, no matter how religious we might be, we all carry a load, and that load is the burden of our sin. In fact, the person who says, I do deserve to belong, by definition, does not belong, (laughs) disqualifies themselves. They can't belong. Because they don't understand their sin, they don't think they need a saviour. Come to me, says Jesus, for the rest which he gives is to take the guilt from our shoulders and bear it himself when he died on the cross so that we can be forgiven. The very reason that Jesus ate with sinners and tax collectors. The very reason that he would have eaten with us. The very reason that if we put our trust in Jesus, one day we will be gathered together with him at the wedding banquet of the Lamb. Let's pray. Father, we... um, confess that sometimes we've thought that we were somehow good enough for you. Um, we know also that the guilt of our sin. And Father, we uh, thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he is the friend of sinners. We thank you, Father, that um, he took the burden of the guilt of our sin upon his shoulders uh, as he died on the cross and we thank you, Father God, that um, that the, the only people who can enter your kingdom are those who don't deserve to enter, and that by Jesus' death on the cross, that, that that is now us. We pray that we would uh, be um, overflowing with the joy that comes from knowing uh, that forgiveness, and uh, that we would not... Um, become like those Pharisees who uh, started to to trust in their own righteousness, but that we would trust in Jesus and him alone. Amen.